0: Oh my gosh, Rob. Do you see that? We've waited our entire lives
1: for this. He's so beautiful. How many people can actually say they've seen a Bigfoot in person? I know, I know, I know. Look at how the full moon just glistens off of his majestic fur. He kind of stinks. Like 50 wet dogs. Wait, wait, wait. He's arching his back. I,
0: I think he's about to howl. We are the Brohio Podcast, and we are on a never-ending quest to explore all of the unknown, true crime, paranormal,
1: demons, hauntings, aliens, UFOs, urban legends,
0: and all of the occult. We are your one-stop shop anytime you want to take a walk on the dark side. You can find the Brohio Podcast anywhere you download your favorite podcast. We have new episodes every week. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook,
1: dude he slithered over to me
0: and this giant comes out of the
1: cave and they're all frozen and he starts running and firing at this giant
0: well the giant moves he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears dan and holds him up like this somebody else shoot him in the face shoot him in the face they basically decapitate him Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12-gauge and i blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small, gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the
2: bed.
1: I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster.
2: to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way it works for me, just get a hold of me. Now, this week, we have a two-part show coming up. First off, we have Dan, and Dan comes on to share his Bigfoot experiences. He's never seen a big foot but he's had a lot of experiences that he knows they were around when he was around and then we bring on Alan and Alan had a yucca man encounter in Arizona a yucca man is pretty much a Bigfoot that's in Arizona and he has this experience where it actually attacked his pickup truck so he comes on to share his experience plus some other things but before we get into it I want to let everybody know we're going to be at Paracon at Penhurst Asylum in Spring City Pennsylvania on July 20th through the 21st if you want to come out and meet me at the vendors table please feel free to go to the confessionalspodcast.com look at the live events section and you can purchase tickets right from the website so without any further delay let's get to this week's show. Okay, tonight I have a good guest coming on. I have Dan, and Dan has some Bigfoot-like experiences. Let's just put it that way. Dan, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing fine, Tony. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So uh, what do we got going on here? I mean, you you have never really actually seen uh, a, a Bigfoot, but you have had these experiences uh, pretty close in time together. So why don't you just kind of walk us into what exactly you experienced and stuff, and we'll go from there.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Um, I think the first thing that we need that I, that I I want to establish is that the area, um, where these two occurrences of, occurred has a long history of activity. Um, I, I know you and, and a lot of your listeners and including myself, we're all familiar with Sasquatch Chronicles. And, uh, before Sasquatch Chronicles ever came along, uh, there was a, another website that I was part of where you could um, you know share experiences and and so going back many many years there's uh you 've got you know um, pre pre Sasquatch chronicle sites where there were a database of sightings in this area. If you go to the b f r o uh, database you 'll see a ton of sighting occurrences but what they like to classify as a and B in this same area that I am about to speak of. So before I go into both those, both experiences, it's important to understand that this area has a long history of, of occurrence. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, not that I put too much credence into the show, but the, the finding Bigfoot show has been there not once, not twice, but three times. As a matter of fact, the very first episode of their very first season was in this area that I'm about to speak of. Okay. So, so the area is just, you know, um, ripe with activity and has been for a while. So the first experience happened at a campground and this was almost one year ago. This was August of 2017. And, um, it was just, it was just your basic good old garden variety campground. Um, and what happened was, um, I was in my tent sleeping and I was awakened around 4 a.m. And the reason why I remember that is because when I woke up, the first thing I did was uh, look at my watch. And it said um, like 4.02 a.m. And it was it, I was awoken by a pack of howling coyotes, um, which is nothing new for that area. But here's where it gets really strange. About three to four seconds after the coyotes started uh, howling, um, this l- Super low, super powerful, guttural roar comes out of nowhere and completely drowns out the, the coyotes. And it wasn't, the, it wasn't your typical kind of roar that you would hear out of, say, you know, like a lion or a bear. The, the best way I can describe what I heard was this massive overpowering what sounded like someone saying yahoo. And, um, I didn't know this until I researched it, but apparently other people who have had a sighting or they've, uh, um, been in an area that has had a history of sightings have heard something similar in different parts of the country. Like, I think, I think I remember, um, reading about, uh, some parts of Florida that have had activity where they heard this yahoo type guttural roar.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, also, uh, West Virginia, um, Tennessee, but, but nonetheless, that's what I heard. And it, and what was amazing was it was so powerful that I could feel it. I could feel it coming up through the ground, through my sleep, through my uh, tent, into my sleeping bag. And it just, it just, I could feel the vibrations, which tells me that this thing, this creature was not very far. I'd say at the most, he was maybe you know, maybe 75, hundred yards away. Um, and for a creature to, to produce those kind of vibrations, I mean, that had to be one massive creature in my humble opinion. Um, and another strange thing is when that Yahoo roar kind of took over the, the, the airwaves, if you will, the, the coyotes all, all of a sudden stopped and this creature just kept on going. um, And I remember, I remember kind of chuckling in my tent, although it wasn't really a funny situation. I'm like, you know, I'll be darned if that's not a Bigfoot nearby. And even though there's a major road running through there, through that campground, but you know, it's still a heavily wooded area. I mean, you just walk a couple hundred yards in each direction, you're, you're in deep forest. And I, I I couldn't help but think that this particular creature that night was closer to, if you want to call it, you know, civilization than, than, uh. Then I been you know then I realized.
2: Yeah, uh, now when you said that it it yelled I mean, first of all, when we say Yahoo, I mean are you legit saying it was like Yahoo like like that kind of how?
1: Yeah, yes, but in a very low, very powerful and kind of a slower manner also. Like Yahoo. I know that's a horrible impression, but something along <laughs> those fine. lines.
2: Okay, I, I mean, and that's what I was looking for because I, I wasn't tr- quite sure exactly like uh the pitch and all that stuff. But I mean, I definitely have heard uh, of the Yahoo uh, with these people dealing with Bigfoot and things like that. And you said that uh, how long did it carry out? I mean, you you said it, it carried on for? Did it carry on for a while, like doing it over and over again, or did it just carry it out for a long period? Uh,
1: it did it three times over the course of about. I guess that. Le- I guess all in all, it was about two minutes.
2: Okay, so about two minutes going over and over again. And did you ever hear any other sounds answering back or anything? Did it? Did it just sound like one animal?
1: It just sounded like the one. I didn't hear. I. I was actually. I, I got a little. I. I. I don't mind admitting it. I got a little frightened, and so I, I. I kept. I was like peeping my head out of the tent, looking towards the wooded area, and I keep. I kept thinking. I want to listen for bipedal, heavy bipedal footsteps, which I never heard. Um, and I didn't hear any replies. I didn't hear any wood knocks or anything like that. Just those two minutes worth of roaring Yahoo sounds.
2: That That's interesting. I mean, I've definitely heard that and stuff. I wonder if it was anything to do with uh, it kind of answering back to the coyotes, like almost like uh, trying to threaten them or something. Do you, did you get a sense that it was trying to communicate directly with them or do you think it was trying to just, uh, vocalize over them?
1: Um, I'm not quite sure. It was definitely vocalizing over them. And I can think of one of two, I guess, motivations to do that. One is just to play with them and say, Hey, um, I'm nearby and I'm going to, I can pretty much tear you in half if I want to. Or (laughs) the other, the other would be that, um, I don't know. May- maybe this creature had something its eye on a deer, because there's a lot of deer in that area. Or and it was it was establishing itself in the area as a way to tell the coyote stay away from my food source. I don't know. Maybe something along those lines.
2: You you said that you felt the vibrations from that through the ground, right?
1: Yeah, I, I did, Tony. I really did. I, that that and it that was um that was quite unnerving. Uh, because to feel that is, um, it, to, to feel that your mind starts wandering, how big and powerful is this thing? And it, it, it frightens you.
2: Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that. But uh, I, I can't imagine the power that something would have to give in order for you to actually feel it through the ground. Uh, I'm assuming you felt it into your bones and almost, you know, like you kind of just felt the whole thing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I did. And I, I think I had two sleeping pads underneath me that night, too.
2: <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you've, I know you've looked into the topic, you know, pretty extensively when it comes to Bigfoot. Uh, you've heard of the infrasound topic of these things. Uh, and people say that they, they feel the infrasound. Uh, do you think that that had anything to do with it? Or do you think this was a straight up physical feeling that you were having from the vocalizations being that powerful?
1: You know, I I can't say for certain. I'm I'm just not, um, I'm not expert enough to really conclude if it's one or the other. Plus, at the end of the day, no one really knows what this creature is. So, you know, all we have is our opinions. Um, It could have been either or. It could have been just, it could have been just its way of communicating that I'm in the area and that's the the powerful side effect you get or it was using infrasound it could be either or
2: yeah and i i just you know when i hear, when i hear people say that they felt something physically when it came to not like it actually touching them but like either is vocalizing or it was, you know, they maybe sometimes people describe it as infrasound. Uh, I, I always wonder, you know, is, are they both the same? Or are they two different things that people are feeling? You know what I mean? Because, like, I, I don't know. Like, I've never been exposed to infrasound. I don't know if it's something that when you feel it, like you physically feel it almost as if, as if it's a rumbling or what. I don't know. But uh, it's a very interesting thing. It's very interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, the best way to, I can, like, put, uh, give an example is... Um, have you ever like stood on the side of the road and you're a little bit too close and, a you know, an 18 wheeler passes by and you yeah. can feel it going now you can feel the breeze too. But what I felt, well, I didn't feel any breeze. I just felt that, that vibration, just like if, just like when they, when a vehicle drives by and you're standing close to the side of the road.
2: Being a truck driver, I definitely know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, those things drive around me a lot. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I'm here. Yeah. So the second experience happened just 30 days later in September of 2017. Uh, once again, not far from where the campground I was at, and again, uh, and I don't, I don't think this will be a bad thing. But just for the listeners, um, this area of North Georgia is where there's 80 miles of Appalachian Trail in North Georgia, and this specific area is. Like I said, it's no secret because the you know the finding Bigfoot people have gone there. There's been a lot of uh, uh, encounters, written a, a history of encounters, you know, uh, documented in that area. But it, it's it's the um, it's the it's the CWMA, which is the Chattahoochee Wildlife Management Area of the Appalachian Trail. Uh, at this time, though, thirty days later, I was backpacking the Appalachian Trail. And this was a part of the trail that isn't far from the campground that I was staying at, and um, um, being that I wasn't staying at a campground, I was actually backpacking. This time, I'm much deeper, you know, in the woods. Um, it was around six o'clock in the evening, and I was at a part of the trail. Um, I wasn't at one of those lean-to shelters, but I was at a, kind of a kind of a clearing. And the the ground was level and you could see where other campers had camped there because there were fire rings and there were a few other campers around as well that had already decided to pitch there for the night. So I just went ahead and joined them. And, um, so we were, uh, me and the other campers that were there were standing around talking about some of the hiking we had done and so forth. And, um, this particular area, like I said, it was a kind of a flat area and, um, there was a ridge, I'd say, about fifty yards above the, that flat area where we were all camping, and um, uh, um, shortly after we had, you know, started talking and you know making some meals and getting some campfires going, um, we hear this massive tree hit the ground. You could hear that that snapping sound of the wood first, and then it hit the ground. And literally a few seconds after that tree had hit the ground, um, me and the other hikers that were around were standing around talking, what was that? And then what we heard, it wasn't just me, it was me and the other hikers. The best way I can describe this is what we heard was a very loud, deep, guttural grunt. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at documentaries on like the national geographic channel or studied some of jane goodall's works but um the uh any any documentation that's out there where you um i guess the best way to to uh, to give an example would be a silverback gorilla grunt you know it's very low it's very guttural it's you know and that's what we heard and we just stood there just completely shocked because you know, you can tell a difference, but if you're experienced enough, you could tell a difference between deadfall and something being artificially toppled over. And then to hear that coupled with this gorilla-like grunt, we we just froze right there in our spots. And you know, everybody was wide-eyed, including myself, going, what was that? One guy even made a joke like, I think that's a Sasquatch. And, and one guy started laughing. I didn't think it was very funny, but um uh, after that, nothing else happened though so um that that's kind of like the good part is nothing you know the rest of the night was peaceful no no grunts, no other sounds um but here is where the story gets really weird um this particular trail uh or the, I should say this particular section of the trail runs close to a uh US Forest Service Trail, um gravel road, excuse me. A US Forest Service gravel road. And um so one of my favorite things to do when I'm backpacking like that is to get up early, make a nice fire and, and a hot cup of coffee. Um so I got up that following morning pretty early around six thirty seven AM, got my fire going, got some coffee going and I uh, there's a side trail with blue blazes to signify that there's water nearby. So um, I start heading down this little side trail to pick up more water. And um, as I come out to this um, gravel road, which is used by the U.S. Forest Service, um, I see this uh, white SUV that's completely blacked out. Um and it has a huge sticker of a, uh, we'll call it a patty silhouette, on the back of the truck. And I, I kind of chuckled, and I, I said, oh, here's, I thought to myself, here's somebody I can walk up to and have a conversation with, because I have a sticker of a patty silhouette on the back of my car. It was given to me as a joke, but you know, nonetheless, I, because I'm a believer, I I put that sticker on there, and and when I saw that, I'm like, oh, here, here's someone I can have a conversation with about, you know, about Sasquatch. Um, so I took it, What? I, so I took what I was seeing as a friendly visit from a fellow Bigfoot enthusiast. So I casually walked up to say hello and see if there was anything we could talk about. As I approached the SUV, the driver rolled his window down, not all the way, about maybe a quarter down. And, um... When I got up to the window, I immediately noticed something pretty odd. First, there were two guys in the SUV, and they were in poli- they weren't in law enforcement uniforms, but they were completely dressed in full tack gear. Um, they had two AR15, two AR15s on a gun rack in the back of the truck. And these guys were completely loaded down, like I said with the tack dress, military style boots, pistols at the ankles, black beanies. They had sunglasses, you know, just completely decked out. (laughs) And um, I playfully then said to the guy, to the driver, I said, Hey, um, I saw the sticker on the back of your vehicle. I have one of those stickers in the back of my window. And then as I said that the the second guy, the passenger guy, and and he says kind of in a stuttering manner, that's just a practical joke sticker for my girlfriend." And they both kind of gave me this dirty look and then stepped on the gas and just booked it out of there. Now, um, where the conspiratorial part comes into play, I I just find it too coincidental that these two guys act very strangely and show up very, very early the next morning after a tree was toppled over, followed with a gorilla-like grunt. Just just very, very odd. I I I can't. I can't say something else happened. I can't really honestly say they were there looking for that creature because it made itself known. I can't say that, but there's definitely something, you know, the old, what's that old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. I just find it way too coincidental that those guys happen to be in the same, same area after a, a Bigfoot occurrence, we'll call it. It's the, they're, and it, it, their behavior was so odd, you know? I mean, ninety percent of most of it, not all the time, but most of the time, you know, you'll get a hello, maybe a, just a quick, you know, conversation. And let's say that they were on some sort of, I don't know, some sort of um, job to do that wasn't wasn't Bigfoot related. But you know, a professional would have said, "Listen, uh, we hope you we want you to be safe. Have a good day. We need to move right. on so we can carry on with the tasks." That none of that, just some some very strange. Oh, my girlfriend gave
2: me that sticker and hit the gas. Let's get out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I wanted to ask you, like, do you think that maybe there was an embarrassment factor? Like, do you think that maybe they, you know, like whoever said that his girlfriend gave it to him, do you think that maybe, you know, he was more embarrassed that he had that sticker on his vehicle? That doesn't even make sense to me, to me uh, now that I'm saying it, just because like, say my wife gave me, I don't know a ballerina sticker for my car, I'm not going to put it on there. And if my wife put a ballerina on my, on the back of my car, I'm going to take it off before I drive the car again. You know, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I, I think it's
1: in my, again, this, I can only give an opinion. So in my humble opinion, it's one of two things, either these guys were self-proclaimed hunters and were, maybe they just got lucky and happened to be in the area of an occurrence. but they didn't want to be known uh, for hunting this creature, which doesn't make much sense because you got, you got a big sticker on the back of your truck or, so it's either two jokers who were just, you know, doing their own thing or they were part of some sort of rogue operation that we just, that all of us are just unaware of.
2: Yeah. I mean, and you said they had what, two AR-15s?
1: Yeah. I mean, they were decked out, Tony. I mean, you know, Pitt, Ankle pistols, two AR-15s, vests, sunglasses, the beanies, uh, the, you know, the, the military boots with the pants. I mean, the whole nine yards.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting because I mean, I know there's guys that you know uh, that are bigfoot researchers, and you know, they go out decked out. Um, I know um, uh, J.C. Johnson was one of those guys when he was still with us. He, you know, he would yeah. go out with you know, decked out in gear. Uh, but JC Johnson and and most people who, who do go out decked, decked out in gear, uh, they're not going to act like that. You know what I mean? Like, they're gonna be like, well, yeah, Yeah. I'm out here. looking for the big fella. Have you seen him? We heard there was reports last night that there was something going on here. Uh, oh, you're into Bigfoot too. You know, they, they, they would talk about it. Like, cause I mean, it's not like every day you come across somebody else who's, you know, into the topic like you are. So when you do, you talk about it, you know, it's like finding a lost brother.
1: Right. Right. I, my, I tend to lean towards my first opinion, which is I think these were just a couple of, and forgive the phrase, I think they were just a couple of jokers. I think they were guys who, who were looking for this creature on their own um, and um, became defensive when... But I think that they didn't want to be perceived as just a couple of guys who were out wanting to kill this thing. And so they got defensive and, and nervous when I asked them about it and just decided to take off. That's what I tend to lean towards. I I can't help but think that if if these were actual deep state government, whatever you want to call them, rogue elements that are sent in areas to control this creature, which I'm not quite sure about that. But if they do, I can't help but think they'd be a little bit smarter than what these two guys were.
2: Yeah. and, And putting a sticker on the back of the vehicle and things like that, unless unless they're trying to attract people like you to them so that, you know, to strike up the conversations to find out what who knows what and stuff. I mean, uh I am just, you know, trying to explore all avenues. I I personally uh I would probably if you if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say they're probably not government agents, but if they were government agents uh or any kind of, you know, deep state operative or whatever you want to call it, I don't care. Uh you know, if you think about it, if you're out there patrolling an area just trying to, uh, you know, see what's going on and you know there's campers in the area, uh, maybe doing something like that attracts people's attention to you and lets gets people talking to you and you find out things that you may not have known otherwise if you're just some guy that was dressed in a suit coming around asking people if they saw a monster in the woods. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I don't know. I mean... Yeah.
1: But, very strange
2: absolutely it i mean is- the,
1: the, the, the 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 tree you know the tree that came down is with you know the, it would follow with that gorilla like grunt that, that that's just super strange enough it is but then you couple this together with these two guys and and a it it, 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 it I'm, I'm like i was ve- i'm like very i was very curious but very alarmed all at the same time you know
2: yeah. No, I, I, I totally get it. I would have been thrown off too. I really would have been thrown off too, because, uh, like I said, I mean, if you go out and you come across another Bigfoot, I mean, I, when I'm driving down the road and I see somebody with a Bigfoot sticker on the back of their truck or something like that, and I'm in my, my work truck, I, I just wish I could get their attention. And, and I don't know, like just, you know, give them a thumbs up or something. I don't know, because it's like, wow, there's somebody else that's, you know, totally, digging the the topic like I do. And it's just like, you know, like a brotherhood. And so for that to happen, it's just, it's just odd. It's just very odd.
1: Yeah. Because I I have, I just had an, uh, an experience where, um, I do delivery on my job and, um, I was dropping off what I was delivering and a young girl, uh, came up to me because I kept my car parked out front with the, with the hazards flashing. And, um, a young girl had come up to me as I'm walking back to my car and she was all alone and I guess she was headed back to her, um, place of work. Cause it's a plant that I was making this delivery to. And, uh, she, she said, you know, um, she goes, I, I dig your sticker. And I said, Oh, I, I, I said, you do. She goes, she goes, yeah, she goes, um, no, this woman, this woman is like 28, 30 years old. She goes, I saw a skunk ape when I was 17 in Florida. And to this day it frightens me, but I don't tell people about it cause I don't want to get made fun of, but I wanted to tell you cause I saw you get out of your car and you've got a sticker on the back of your car. So that tells me that that like when that just, and that just happened last week and that, that tell, that just makes the, 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 the behavior of these two guys that I saw last year, even more odd. Why, why wouldn't you want to be, have a friendly conversation unless, unless you were up to no good. I, I, you know, it just, just, Bob, it, it's, a, it's a situation where I came up with more questions than answers.
2: <laughs> I know we're rehashing it, but I, just talking out loud, I mean, just the answer that they gave you, oh, my girlfriend is plastic, practical joke and my girlfriend was playing a joke on me. I mean, like if you just take that at face value, it's like, okay, you know, fine. But why did you take it off the car? You know, like, why didn't you take it off your vehicle yet? I mean, like, I just don't understand yeah. that. I mean, because like, honestly, like if anybody put a sticker on my car that I didn't want on my car... I'm taking it off before I go driving around. That's just the way it is, you know. Uh, you just get the yeah. the old uh, hair dryer out and a piece of plastic. You heat up the sticker and you scrape it off. No big deal. That's the way it works, you know. Uh,
1: I, yeah, it, I just uh, yeah, it, it's a contradiction of behavior. It's like they're showing off that hey, we're Bigfoot hunters, but um, yeah. If you ask me about it, I'm gonna hit the gas pedal and speed off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, it's very peculiar, but I mean. Uh, you know, going back to your initial, um, uh, how do we say it? not encounters, but you know, just experiences, occurrences. occurrences yeah. yeah, you know, like that happened within what thirty, thirty days apart, or thirty something days.
1: Like that? Yeah, and right, and and the driving, the distance between that campground and where I was on that trail is maybe fifteen, twenty miles. Not not that much at all.
2: Okay, and that's what I was going to ask: how far apart they were, because um, you know that's that's interesting. I mean, you hear these howls, and uh, then you hear the the what, what would you call it? A tree snap, or would you call it just a a pushing over a tree?
1: No, I definitely pushed it over. I, in uh, you could see the top end of the tree hit the ground too. But it, it, all that all that all that horrific snapping you hear as it as it's going down is is what you know we, when we heard it. Before it actually hit, you know, the, the, all that snapping is, we could see what direction it was coming from. And then you could see the top of the tree hit that, hit the uh, top of that ridge.
2: Was it a, was it a healthy tree or was it a tree that was dead?
1: It was definitely healthy. I didn't go up there, but apparently a couple of guys, the next, um, uh, like a couple hours later, I was going to say the next day, but it wasn't that a couple hours later, a couple of those other hikers had gone up there. And they came back and said that um, all the other trees surrounding this one were healthy. That tree looked healthy, and there was no deadfall to speak of.
2: Okay, yeah, I mean, healthy trees just don't fall over, you know. Was, was it just relatively? Was the ground really wet? Maybe you know, like did it rain real hard and the roots uprooted?
1: No, that that particular weekend, the the weather was great, no rain, and one other. Hiker said, well, did you happen to see footprints? And they said they looked and they didn't see any because the at that time, the um, ground was covered with a lot of leaves uh, and um, pine straw.
2: All right. Well, uh, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, <laughs> <a> tree, <laughs> I, I'm tr- you know, I'm trying to think of any explanation and stuff just to cover all our bases and stuff. And I mean, you got a healthy tree, the ground's not wet, it comes tumbling down right in the same area that you hear these growls or these yahoos that kind of vibrated through the ground so powerfully, uh, that I, you know, I've heard about the, you know, people hearing these things say, you know, Yahoo or whatever it is, and it's not an uncommon thing. And so, with yeah. you saying that, and then on top of the power that was behind it, you, you start thinking like, okay, so what, what's out here that can actually make that sound, you know and, and, and do that?" I, <clears throat> I, I can't think I of think
1: for, I think for me, what it does is it you know, and this is just my again, my own humble opinion for me, but it completely validates what I experienced within 30 days of one another, completely validates the activity that's been documented in that in that area. I can say with a with a straight face, clear conscience, however you want to say it, that if somebody else says, "Hey, this area has activity," I can say, "Yes, it does," because I've read about it and I've experienced it.
2: Yeah, I man, I'll tell you I, I- you know <laughs> one of my patrons that are that's listening right now said, "I'm not saying it was Bigfoot, but it was Bigfoot, yeah so <laughs> uh,
1: that's,
2: that's uh, yeah,
1: that's a good way to put it i mean i I didn't see it, but let me tell you something it was bigfoot, <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> I'll tell you, you know it that's um yeah, it was I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it leans more towards Bigfoot than coyote or uh." even bear. I mean, I guess a bear could push over a tree. Yeah. Are there bears down there in Georgia? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, black bear.
2: Okay. So I mean, we're not, most of about all, big mo-
1: mo- not all, but most that you hear about or from like people see or they're, they're, they're more of the smaller, smaller brand of black bear, but, uh, but they're out there and you, know, you still have to be careful.
2: Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying like a black bear they, they typically don't get big enough to be pushing over these big trees and stuff. I mean, how big was this tree again?
0: It was
1: big. Um, you know, uh, um, I don't know. What do you want to go Like 30, 40 feet high, you know, probably a foot, foot and a half thick. (laughs) I mean, it was a big one.
2: Okay. Yeah. That's a big one. Uh, you know, so I don't know, man. Sounds like Bigfoot. (laughs) yeah Uh, well apparently
1: uh, let me say this you know what the one thing you can deduce from that second experience that i described the one thing you can say is someone else also believes that that's a highly active area obviously right and they believe it so much to go in full military gear and ride around on gravel roads in an suv with a big sticker of patty on the back of their suv
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you're absolutely right man you're absolutely right. Well,
1: so I so so I'm not the only one who believes that that that, that it's an active area. Obviously, I I just I I just it's such a head scratcher for me though, Tony, to have that occurrence and then early and it, look at the time of the day, six thirty in the morning. Clearly, these guys were looking to be in an area that they knew there were probably hikers, which there were. But they wanted to get the early start, the early jump before everybody started getting awake and so that they wouldn't be spotted or something. I, I, that's the way I took it.
2: Well, I mean, I'll tell you, man, it's, it's, uh, it's just a definitely very odd experience all the way around. I mean, you take that with the idea of, you know, the tree falling down the night before and then these guys are popping up and stuff. It's just odd. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, definitely yeah. odd. But uh, I'll tell you what, Dan, I think, thanks for uh, coming on and sharing these experiences with us.
1: Thank you Tony I love your show I love your I love what I, I love what you're doing Keep doing it I'll always be listening And uh God bless
0: I had like my I call them my Marine Corps parents Well uh Dad had gotten in a car accident And was killed They heard about it And so I got on a plane In a beautiful place It was about 40 minutes Outside of Richmond Uh it was a beautiful horse property. I think, I think it was almost 100 acres, so it was, it was huge. And they had horse trails cut all over the place on it. And uh, I got there and, well, this cabin, it was built back in the 40s and uh, it was a two-story cabin. We went to bed and they had just gotten air mattresses for all everybody to sleep on because all the furniture was still in New York being staged in the house. I'm not exactly sure what time it was I woke up to go to the bathroom, got a drink, and I lay back down and just as I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I get like this rumble. It felt like the, the air bed was vibrating. It was like a low, low pace. You know, and I, I think what was was magnifying it was the air mattress. Got up, I looked around, you know, and I, I was listening, you know, see if the, the air conditioning had kicked on, or you know, something mechanical in the house. A couple minutes go by, and I lay back down, and just as I'm drifting off the bed again, it does it again, and it does it like three or four more times until it's almost dawn. So I didn't really get a whole lot of sleep that night, and so I get next morning. I'm talking to mom, and they're laughing, you know, ghosts in the house and this and that. And I told them about it, and she goes, "Well, you walked around a lot last night," and I'm like, "No, I. You know, once I woke up, I pretty much just sit there on the side of the bed." Her bedroom is on the first floor, but it's a separate. Off to the side of the house, the the two story isn't directly over her part of the, the cabin, and uh, she said it sounded like somebody was walking on the roof at night. You know, probably about the same time all of this stuff was going on with me. I keep wanting to talk to her about it, but every time I call, I'm I'm not sure if I you know figure out some way to you know ask her.
2: <laughs> Alan, how you doing, man? Good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing good. So uh, you had an encounter that most people don't ever describe it as, which is a Yucca Man encounter. Uh, it's basically a seven to eight foot tall Bigfoot, but people call him Yucca Man. And maybe you could detail as to why you called the Yucca Man as you go through your story. But dude, what happened here? I mean, what'd you see? What happened?
0: Well, uh, I was stationed in 29 Palms. Uh, I was in the Marines and this was back in 93 and uh right there around 29 palms you have the uh joshua tree national monument and just getting there i like to get out and drive and so i was out exploring the park and i found this one nice little uh, uh campground that i go out there and have a couple beers and you know just kind of taking the scenery well after being there a couple months uh i met a gal and uh that was kind of our thing to go out to the campground and you know, we'll take care of business. (laughs) And, uh, we'd gone out for, I don't know, five, six months and we'd gotten into a pretty big fight and she decided she was going to go back to uh, Louisiana and she was leaving in like a week and she'd called me and she'd want to have one little uh, last get together. And so we so I had to go back out to our campground we were out there and uh it started getting a little chilly in the bed of the truck so we got in the cab and kept going and i had started the truck to get the, the heater to warm up and that uh, was about 15 20 minutes later uh something almost feels like it bumps the side of my truck and she's like what was that you know the, Windows are kind of foggy and we look around and it was a, not quite a full moon, but it was fairly, it was bright enough to see like a shadow behind the truck. So she starts screaming. I jump over into behind the driver's the uh, steering wheel, go it in reverse and back out real hard and turn the lights on where well, you can see something kind of like walking around in the dust that I kicked up, you know, doing a, a reverse burnout. And, uh, she starts screaming that there's somebody on the side of the truck. So I drop her down in the the first gear and take off out of there. And the truck's kind of kicking sideways. And I feel something hit the back of the truck, the back of the bed and, uh, kind of shocks the truck. I just keep going and get on down the road. Well, I get onto the the pavement and down to uh, the highway. We stop and she's still kinda of freaked out, I'm freaked out. Uh we get dressed and I walk around to check the back of the truck and the it's the side of the, you know, the taillight bezel is kinda of smashed in and the taillight's broken. And I'm thinking, Oh crap, I'm gonna get a ticket on the way into base. And sure enough I get stopped by the twenty nine Palms Police, get a ticket, and then I get a ticket at the gate for it. But uh yeah for height wise and anything else I couldn't really tell you. Uh, she saw it, she says it was as tall as the cab. So I'm going to say at least six, six and a half, maybe seven feet tall. And, uh, you know, other than the, the broken taillight, you know, that's really all the damage it did to the truck. It was probably about a week later she left, you know, and, uh, I was in the shop, uh, fixing the, tele- the bedside and uh, doing some body work on it and everything else, to get the light back in it. And one of the sheet metal guys I worked with asked me, you know, what had happened. And, you know, I told him exactly what I just told you. And uh, he's like, yeah. He says, he's heard of the same thing happening out there. And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, don't go screwing around in the, the Joshua Tree Park or the Yucca Man to get you. And that's all I could really get out of him. And he wouldn't really talk about it anymore. And there's a couple other people there that I had said something about it and they wouldn't say anything. So yeah, I, I heard it on, uh, uh, Shannon's into the fray a couple of weeks ago, one of her insiders. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know exactly what she's talking about.
2: Yeah man that's that's crazy. I mean so the yucca man and I I'm assuming, yeah, yucca. I'm assuming that's a uh, a regional name for it, right?
0: Yeah, it's a a yucca is a a type of cactus that grows out here in the southwest and uh, there's there's a lot of that, you know, yucca and Joshua tree there in the monument.
2: Okay. So <laughs> I mean this has to be an adrenaline-filled moment. Uh, did you ever venture to go back out that way?
0: Yes, I did. I went out there just uh It was probably two days later. And uh, when I went out there, I could see where I had backed out of where we were parked. It was it was a gravel uh, parking lot or hard dirt. And when I, I took off going forward, I could see where... I was, you know, burning out basically. And when I hit, when it swung around and hit, whatever it was, you can see the slight jog in the track of, you know, like sideswiping something. I didn't see any footprints or anything like that. Uh, like I said, it was pretty hard ground. But uh
2: So, I mean, when, when you say you saw it, you side swiping something are you talking about like in the gravel you saw your tires come to abrupt stop or that like you could see that it hit something that was there
0: well it was wide open and it'd be like just a slight squiggle in the burnout of, like the truck can knock sideways a little bit or kind of like that's the way i can explain it okay almost like if you're if you're turning and you hit a, like the curb like if you hit a curb and then it would you jostle also sideways a little bit
2: Right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I wonder, I mean, the guy who said you better watch out for, or the yucca man will get you, Um, I wonder what he knew. And, and you said that other people had a hard time talking about it. Uh, have you ever, you know, I don't know, done some looking into it? Is this like a common thing that people are experiencing in that area?
0: I'd possibly. Like I said, there's a couple locals that I got kind of uh, be friends with and Anytime I would talk talk about it, they they get kind of hush-hush and, no, no, that's that's nothing, that's nothing kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, because, I don't know, if you've ever been out to 29 Palms, it's kind of a really different place. Um, uh, it's, there's a, a lot of abandoned houses out there. Um, uh, kind of the story I got was, uh, back when they were trying to, uh, populate California more, uh, the government would basically give you so many acres to move to California is kind of the, the story I got. So people would go out there, they'd build a house, but there's no water. So it's, uh, there's a lot of strange people out there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> So, uh, all right. So, you, you guys are in the vehicle, and this thing, it, it remind me, did this thing it hit the side of your vehicle, and that's how you knew it was there?
0: Yeah. It's like somebody walked up and kind of bumped into the side of the truck. And that's when uh, she said, Hey, there's, there's somebody out there, you know? And that's because they had uh, one of the problems there with the, with the monument was meth labs at the time. And I didn't find this out until like a month later that, you know, it was a problem out there. But uh, I guess it was kind of like Breaking Bad. People would go out there and set up meth labs and cook. And it was like a year-round raids they do in the, uh, the monument to, you know, clean the meth labs up. And uh, I don't know if she knew something about that and thought somebody was trying to break into the truck or rob us or what it was. But, you know, it got us going enough we wanted to get the hell out of there.
2: And when you inspected the truck and everything, did you ever happen to see like a handprint or anything, hair, or was it just the damage to the truck that you saw?
0: It was just a, uh, didn't see any kind of handprints or anything. Uh, it was more or less just a, a shallow enough dent that it, uh, it'd been in the uh, taillight bezel enough to break the lens. And it was about two hours worth of body work and I had it fixed.
2: Okay. And was this like a, a military vehicle? Is that why you were going to get in trouble?
0: No, it was my personal vehicle.
2: Oh, okay. Um, so, why why would you get in trouble for having it damaged?
0: The, the regulations on base were really strict about all your, the working equipment on your vehicle. You know, it's just like anything. You know, if you got a busted headlight or tail light, you know, you can get a fix a ticket, and that's kind of what I got.
2: Okay, got gotcha. you, uh, dude. That's crazy. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how scared were, were you in that moment? I mean, I'm assuming. You didn't really quite understand what was going on in the moment, uh. But I mean, I would have been on a scale of one to ten, eleven. What were you?
0: Oh, uh, probably about that. But I was more pissed off that somebody was slapping my truck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That was that was my baby, <laughs> and like somebody you know messing with me or you know it. You know, that was I was kind of pissed off that somebody hit the truck and interrupted us. But uh, you know, the more I look back at it, you know, yeah, I was probably about a 10
2: or 11 wow man so when you went back up there you looked around and everything you saw the the marks from your truck but you didn't see any footprints right no well that's interesting man that, that that really is an interesting story uh there's not much there's not much you can say about uh this thing coming up on you and slapping the side of the truck or at least bumping into it uh just definitely a, a freaky a freaky experience man what do you think it is what do you think these things are man
0: I like everybody's I think it's just more or less a, a, a different different version of the Bigfoot. You know, the Sasquatch. It's you know, it could be regional, you know, kinda like the other experience I told you about in uh Virginia. Um I think it's just more or less one that lives out in the uh, high desert.
2: Yeah. Now, why don't you share that other experience in Virgin that happened in Virginia?
0: Okay. Uh yeah, this was Last year in June, uh, like I told you in the email, uh, I had like my, I call them my Marine Corps parents. Uh, they, uh, they're two civil servants that were retired Marines that, that worked there at 29 Palms and they kind of took me under their wing kind of thing. Well, they uh, had gotten in a car accident and was killed. And I heard about it and I wanted, to tell you something else about that later on um they heard about it and so i got on a plane and flew right out to richmond and they had just moved from mid-state new york down to virginia to be closer to their son and granddaughters and it's a beautiful place there's about 40 minutes outside of richmond uh out in the middle of, i mean i've never seen so many damn trees and uh it was a beautiful horse property i think i think it was almost 100 acres so it was was huge and they had horse trails cut all over the place on it and uh i got there and uh, they needed to go into the hospital and take care of some stuff because one of the granddaughters was hurt pretty bad in the wreck as well and she was still in hospital so they were like, well, stay here. Uh, they had a, a little UTV and they're like, you know, go ride the trails, you know, whatever it's for. And I'm like, okay. And I jumped in the, in the UTV and I'm out on one of the trails and my phone rings and uh, it was my wife checking in and. I was really surprised that I had good reception. Cause at the cabin I had like none. And well, like now I I'm a roamer when I talk on the phone. So I was, I was walking around the trail. The, the bugs were buzzing and had a little bit of a breeze going. And I was telling my wife, you know, you know, about the signal and this that. And then, and I noticed that it had gotten quiet and the breeze had kind of halted. And I didn't smell anything except for there was, the fresh grass that they had mowed like the day before on the trail. And so I talked to my wife, you know, 10, 15 minutes possibly. And, uh, I'm getting ready to hang up. Well, then the breeze starts comes back up and I'm like, well, well, I'm glad the breeze started, you know, blowing again. Cause I was sweating my balls off and get back to the house and they get back and we have dinner and have a couple of beers or whatever uh go to bed. Well this cabin it was built back in the forties. Forty, forty four two, forty three I can. And uh it was a two story cabin. And we went to bed and they had just gotten air mattresses for all everybody to sleep on because all the furniture is still in New York being staged in the house. And go to bed and I'm not exactly sure what time it was. I woke up to go to the bathroom, got a drink and I lay back down. And just as I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I get like this rumble. I don't know if, um, how to explain it Is It felt like the, the air bed was vibrating and it woke me up, you know, cause it was like a boom and I'm, like, what the, the the hell is that? Excuse me. Got up. I looked around, you know, and I was, I was listening, you know, see if the, the air conditioner had kicked on, or if, you know, something mechanical in the house. And so a couple minutes go back by and I lay back down. And just as so I'm drifting off to bed again, it does it again. And it does it like three or four more times until it's almost dawn. So, I didn't really get a whole lot of sleep that night. And so, I get next morning, I'm talking to mom, and they're laughing, you know, ghosts in the house and this and that. And I told them about it. And she says, Well, you walked around a lot last night. And I'm like, No, I, you know, once I woke up, I pretty much just sit there on the side of the bed. And uh, why I thought she thought I was walking around is her. Her bedroom is on the first floor, but it's a separate off to the side of the house. Uh, The the two-story isn't directly over her part of the the cabin. And uh, she said it sounded like somebody was walking on the roof at night. You know, probably about the same time all this stuff was going on with me. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, Dad, he was found out later that he he had set up a couple of trail cams out in on the property and he had always talked about bigfoot and that kind of got me thinking about it after i left you know i was and somebody was talking about infrasound um i forget which episode it was it was with wes i was listening to one of his and uh I'm not wondering if they were if it was something like that. And they were checking me out because I was a new person on the property. You know, cause they'd been up there a couple of weeks and cleaning the cabin up. Cause it had been vacant for Vaughn has said for 10 years. So they'd been up there for a couple of weeks, cleaning it up prior to moving down from uh, New York. So, uh, didn't really say too much more about, you know, Bigfoot with, you know, to them. Cause I got three young granddaughters, and you know, it's just, think you know scare them
2: or anything with that whole story do you think i mean do you lean towards the infrasound side of things or what i mean when when that whole that sound that you heard i mean were you feeling that physically or was it just a sound that you heard
0: no i was feeling it um it was just like a, a low it was like a low low pace, you know and I, I think what was was magnifying it was the air mattress you know i i don't know it just is it, yeah. it a, a low rumble and like i said it, you know i checked around like i said i you know i checked for you know listening for air conditioner kicking on uh you know a ceiling fan downstairs out of you know all different things and but it only happened that one night and because I was, there, I was there for a week. So,
2: so, I mean, I think it was mom that said that it sounded like somebody's walking on the roof, right? Yes. I mean, I'm assuming that's something uh, that's not normal. Does she find that off as well?
0: Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like I said, they had been there for three weeks cleaning up the place. They had just moved in to the cabin they had been in the cabin for three days when Rex had into in his accident. And, uh they had been staying in their, their son's cabin with him until they got ready to move in. So that was really only like their first four or five nights in, you know, actually staying in the, in the cabin. I keep wanting to talk to her about it, but every time I call, I'm, I'm not sure, if I you know, you know, see if anything else has gone on and figure out some way to, you know, ask her.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd be very interested to hear if there was something else that happened since then. Uh, but what, uh, what you just said, you know, that you, you're kind of, you don't know how to ask her. Uh, what it, what about it makes it feel awkward to ask her? I mean, just to bring up the whole idea of Bigfoot or, you know, asking her, you know, is there something spooky going on in the property? Is it just awkward?
0: Yeah, kind of. No, I've I've been through a lot of little, little different experiences. and I've always gotten, you know, kind of, you know, ripped on for, you know, a lot of it. And so just, you know, anytime I, you know, want to talk about it, you know, I got to think, you know, who am I going to tell these, this to, you know, until uh, actually my dad passed away three years ago up until then, you know, I kind of kept a lot of it to myself. then, you know, some other stuff happened and I'm like, I have started listening to a lot of these, your guys' podcasts and I'm like, you know, like I told you in the email, you know, when you talk to Amy, you know, it just I'm like, well, hell, I might as, I might start, you know, getting some of it out, you know, kind of thing.
2: The idea of getting it out and stuff. I mean, uh, do you think that that's, you know, helpful for you to, you know, make sense of it in your mind or just be able to tell somebody? Uh, I mean, cause for me, I, I said it before on the show. I mean, if something like this happened to me. I, I'm a chatty person. I just talk about it. I don't care what people think, you know, but I'm not normal. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, but I know, I know what episode you're talking about with Amy and we were talking about how, you know, just talking about this stuff helps people just get it off their chest. Um, it sounds like this is something that you really don't talk a whole lot about to people.
0: No. Uh, like I said, something I want to get to, too, is, uh, what kind of got me thinking about this a lot more was uh, how my dad had passed away, um, and Rex's death, or my other dad, Rex Marine Corps dad's death. Uh, I always had the sense that I needed to call him. You know, uh, when my dad passed away, I'd gotten a call that that morning from my best friend that his dad had just passed away. And I'm like, holy crap. And I didn't even know Don was sick. And, uh, that's when, uh, my buddy told me about everything and, uh, that he had kind of hid his illness from his family and they didn't find out until like the last week of his life, you know? Wow. And I got, I got to thinking about that and my dad had had a few health issues and, you know, I, I need to call him and, you know, kind of tell him, you know, you know, if there's something going on, you need to tell us, you know us kids and everything. And I got home, you know, the usual thing got busy, had gotten, picked up my daughter from school babysitter and got dinner going and, you know, all this stuff. And next thing I know it's, it's eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, well, shit, I can't call dad now. He's in bed by now. And I had already made, uh, plans to go back to Houston with my buddy for his dad's funeral. And so I was gonna take my, my daughter over to my sister's, uh uh-huh. then my cousin. And I was on my way over there and my phone rings and it was my it was my dad phone number on my phone. I answered and I was like, Hey dad, what's up? Man, it was my mom. And she was crying and she the paramedics had just uh, finished loading him up and, you know, taking him to the mortuary and she had told me that he had passed away in his sleep that night. And it was like, man, you know, I, I really felt, you know, I felt this strong urge that I should have called him the night before, you know, because I, I was basically going to chew him out and, you know, make sure, you know, nothing was going on and everything was okay and that kind of thing. Well, two years later, I kept getting this feeling that I needed to call my Marine Corps dad, you know, I was like, man, I need to talk to him. I haven't talked to him in a while. And it just, it, it kept weighing on me for some reason and so i'm headed home from work one day and i'm like screw it i'm gonna call i call and it goes straight to voicemail I'm like, okay well, i wait 15 20 minutes more and then i, I call again i'm he he's on his phone talk to somebody else or something you know and uh gonna answer from my little brother and same thing as my mom. He's he's choked up trying to you know, keep and he's like, Yeah uh, uh we just lost him. It, you know, he he died on the way to the, the hospital, you know, the, the car accident. That was kind of I guess think back about, you know, about a lot of other little different things that had happened, you know, throughout and I'm like, Wow, maybe I had been experiencing a lot of this this crazy shit too.
2: That's rough, man. That's rough. I, I just uh it's one of those things where, like, you had that inner voice, right to to call, and you didn't, and now I'm sure you wish it did, right?
0: Oh yeah. Uh, every time I tell it, I get you know. Uh, that's kind of my point, you know. If anybody out there listening to this, you know, if you get any of that kind of thought or emotion, don't take the take the, the time to the call, and you know, you know, at least talk to them.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. It's one of those things where, uh sometimes when you have that inner voice speaking to you, uh, it's best just, just to follow it. Even if you feel it, feel like it's dumb, it's ra- rather look dumb than feel sorry later. And, uh, I feel for you, man. I do. I feel for you. It's, that's a, a hard situation to go through.
0: Well, yeah. It's, you know, with that, and then going back you know, to Richmond and all that stuff, you know, and it just, you know, like, man, you know, we, could have just called me and asked me to come visit you, you know, <laughs> But so I'm, I'm joking, you know, lighting it up, but it, you know, it's yeah, it's still kind of rough.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. I mean, sorry
0: to get away from the other stuff, but you know, <laughs> that's just something I wanted to blend into this. I just,
2: I understand. I understand when you, when you go through stuff like that, it gives you another perspective. And sometimes you feel like you just need to warn other people, you know? Uh, and so that's what you I think it's fine. Um, But with these things that you've experienced and stuff, uh, do you think that the cabin had, I don't know, Bigfoot activity? Or do you think it was more paranormal where like maybe like haunting activity with the walking on the roof, things like that? I mean, I don't know how stable the cabin is, but I mean, could it support a, you know, four or five, 600 pound creature?
0: I don't know. That was one of the things I thought about because they were always, you know, Mom um, joked about the ghost, you know, and, you know, so, and they, everybody else was joking about a ghost. And I don't know if that's something that got put into my head or, but, uh, like I said, just the whole, well, uh, I'm just wondering if it was more or less a kind of a, a smaller one, maybe a juvenile or something, because what's got me really thinking about this was that, oh, it was, Four days later, uh, my little brother's youngest daughter was wanting to help me with some uh, chores around the the, the the ranch there. And uh, she wanted to go for a ride in the UTV. And I'm like, okay, come on. I found this really cool trail. And I'd just gone up it a couple days prior. And uh, we we're up in there and I hadn't really heard about trees, the the structures, until I don't know, a couple months ago. Um, The trail was blocked with two cross um, trees, and uh, she's like, "Mm, "Was that there before?" I'm like, "No," and so I got out, and they're probably five, six inches in diameter, and I got them out of the trail, and. We kept going a little further, a little further, and then we came across one where there was three trees stuck leaning across the trail. And these, I couldn't move. I mean, they were to get them out of the way. You you would have to have had a you know a chainsaw, and you know just with the way they were wedged in. And I'm like, okay, we're standing out there looking at them, and the same thing, like when I told you, it got quiet. Uh, a couple of days before, the exact same thing happened then. And I got, I don't know if it was because, uh, Sarah was with me, you know, she was seven at the time, you know, I just got this real overwhelming urge that, you know, we need to get the hell out of there. And so I backed up the fairly narrow trail and I backed uh, the little, the UTV up. You know, it's a spot where I get turned around and I, we pretty much just got the hell out of there. And So I don't know if that was a, a marking like, hey, don't come this way or, you know, because I'd only been up the trail a couple of days before.
2: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to tree structures, I, I do think that there's something to them. I don't think that everything that people see uh, that looks like a quote unquote tree structure means that it was made by a Bigfoot. But I definitely think that there is something to it when you were there and it got quiet, how did she feel sitting there? I mean, did she say anything? She was scared. Yeah. Yeah, She was
0: scared. I could tell that look on her face. She was, she was scared. And, uh, I was like, like, you know, like I said, I just got this feeling like, you know, we need to get out of here.
2: Yeah. That's probably best. I mean, if those things weren't there before and they were there, then, Uh, something put them there, you know, they didn't just fall like that. Especially you, you see two, you move them, keep going. You see three. I mean, and you, and you said the one that was made out of three, you couldn't move, right? They were too big.
0: No. And, uh, I didn't really look at, you know, the ends of them. I mean, this, it was like they they had taken, they were underneath the other limbs. Like you had taken it and, uh, Almost like you're shooting like a, with cue stick and you drop back and you put it underneath the limbs and then put it down to the ground. So it was like they were shoved up through the other limbs of the trees on the other side of the trail. And this was a fairly dense, uh, forest area we were, we were riding through. You know, a lot of old growth pine, a lot of pine. And I did see some, you know, some other like some oaks and stuff, but it was, it was a lot of pine in that area. And, you know, that's what got me. That's when I, I wrote you is because I had heard once somebody talking about some of the tree structures. And I'm like, holy, you know, that's uh, kind of like what I ran into in Virginia. And I said, I was only there for a week.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, just the idea that those things weren't there, then they were somewhere big, that so big that you couldn't move. Uh, it definitely seems like that's a situation where it could be uh, Bigfoot activity. And like I said, I think that your best bet was just to get out of there because they put them there for a reason and people speculate as to what they mean. Uh, I think they can mean several different things. You know, maybe it is don't come down here, especially if it's like a trail. Uh, You know, maybe it's, you know, this is our area, stay out of it. Uh, Sometimes I wonder if it's directional stuff where they are more of a communication tool for each other, you know. Hey, you know, this is our area. You guys stay on that side. We stay on this side, you know, or uh, there's food or water this direction. You, you never know. I mean, that's what Boy Scouts do. Boy Scouts are taught to make yeah. tree structures that uh, and and they're, they are shaped in different ways and it means different things. Native Americans did the same thing. Native Americans would make trees grow uh, certain ways so that they knew what was up. So like they would actually take a tree when it's young and pull it down uh and tie it down so it it would grow sideways and once it grew sideways they would release it and then the the top half would start growing up again. So it was like a, a zigzag shape. And every once in a while you can still find those trees around and stuff. I, there's actually one maybe an hour from me right off a of major highway that uh, my buddy that I used to go hiking with sent me a picture of. And I want to get out there and just kind of take a picture of it and stuff for myself because I mean you don't see those very often, but they're clearly markers for uh, you know, the Native Americans and what they did and stuff. You know, it was just like Communication, you know, and so it just definitely makes you wonder if that's what these things are doing—whether it's communication with each other, or if they think that they're communicating with us, saying, "You know, this is our area. Stay out." Uh, and that, that's why I think it's best that you got out of there because, you know, you didn't get the message clearly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah if that's... you if you yeah, would have okay, hung out more.
0: He's out here cruising around again, drinking his beer in the UTV. You, you know, hey.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, and who knows what happens if you keep you know toying with them. I mean, they they are definitely temperamental creatures. uh, Whatever they are, they're definitely temperamental. And uh, I know there's people that think that you know they're not that temperamental and. Uh you know, whatever, but uh, I've heard enough stories that you know they're temperamental. Even with the, the story that you first shared with us. I mean, there there was no need for it to come up and bump against your truck and, and present itself to you. It was being aggressive. You know what I mean? Like these no, things No,
0: like like I was also thinking later on you know, what if we were still been in the back of the truck and, you know, as distracted as we were, um uh, you know, what else what what other things could have happened, you know? You know, wonder if he's come he's coming up there because, you know you know, a little, little bit of jungle love going on, and he wants to get in on the action kind of thing. Or you know, you know, if I'd if we'd have still been there, you know, if I'd be talking to you right now, kind of thing.
2: Right, right, jungle love. <laughs> oh man! But I tell you, like that's exactly it. I mean, he might have been coming in to be a peeping tom, or he might have, and he might have been frustrated that you went in the truck. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah. Uh, You're interrupting my show, man. Yeah, exactly. Yo, get back out here in the open. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, it it definitely was an act of aggression. You know, it may not be, you know, busting your window out, grab you out and bite your neck off, but it was an act of aggression. And uh, these things can be temperamental. And if you're intruding in on their area and they feel like they gave you an adequate adequate warning to not be there, uh, you don't know what could happen at that point, you know. So I definitely think you did the right thing about getting out.
0: And I, I don't know, like I said, I, I haven't done any more research into it now that I've, you know, since I've thought about it, you know, I, I never could get any real, you know, real information out of anybody there at the time. So I'm wondering if there, you know, had been some, you know, bad shit go down out there and, the, you know, people don't really, you know, locals don't talk about it kind of thing.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things with the locals, man. And I don't get it. I I just don't get why people wouldn't talk about this, but uh, locals not talking about it, uh, especially like down South and stuff. I mean, you're talking about the Virginia area. I mean, the the people, they just, you know, they keep to themselves, they're quiet. I have a guy coming on here uh, that's going to be talking about, you know, actually, I think it's the next interview I'm doing. Uh, He's going to be talking about, he's a insurance salesman in West Virginia, and he got to know these people in West Virginia and they got comfortable with him and they started sharing with him, uh, their stories of encounters of these creatures in West Virginia. And so, you know, it's just one of those things that like, I mean, these people aren't knocking down the door to, you know, report it to the BFRO or, you know, emailing me to be on the show to share their story. They just keep to themselves. They know what happened and that's that. I mean, they don't really, uh, want to talk about it, you know, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's um, you know the reason I called you. You know, what's you because you're right there in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, I don't think you're any more than a couple hours from where I was at. You know, when this this stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, it's you know uh, one of the other things uh, mom had said to me that she had she did uh, English horse riding that so, the so where they jump all the fences and that kind of stuff. So she had two, they were, crap, I'm trying to, high-strung horses, you know, pretty fidgety, you know, nervous kind of, and uh, she said the funny thing was, as soon as they moved the horses down to Virginia, that uh, they were calmed down, because when they were up in in New York, uh, she would almost have to go out and get them out of the barns in the morning you know, you know, get them to get out and, and graze and just, no, they they only to stay out at night up there now. I don't know if it's something different. I don't know. It's, uh, I've speculated a couple of different things about it in my own head, but, uh, I'm just wondering if they weren't dealing with something up in New York as well. Cause they were, like I said, they were out. I don't know. If, uh, are you kind of familiar with the Watkins Glen area?
2: I'm not in familiar. I'm not familiar with it, as in like geographically and stuff. But I, I've heard of it. You know, I know it's not too far.
0: Okay, yeah, it's it's pretty well heavy with forests, about like there in Richmond. But uh, I know Dad. He had an interest in some of this stuff because, but uh, I don't know if that's why he was setting up the trail cams. You know when he did, but just a lot of weird, different. Uh, coincidence is all happening at the same time
2: i mean maybe he he did have a suspicion that something was going on uh maybe that's why he was setting up the trail cams i mean you're never going to know but just judging by the things that you've experienced you know your limited time there it's definitely you know it's definitely a plausibility it's definitely a plausibility so uh but man alan i tell you man i thanks thanks for coming on and and sharing these stories man uh i I know in the middle of it 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 was kind of of a, a, a more of a deeper moment for you. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, man, uh, you go through life, you, you handle things the best you can and, and, uh, you, you can't change what happened and stuff. But I, I definitely think that, you know, I just encourage you to not, you know, beat yourself up about it too much.
0: Yeah. It's just one of the best, you know, let some people know if you get that, that feeling, you know, act on it, you know?
2: Yeah, so absolutely and don't even worry about being looking stupid or something. Like I said, it's better to look stupid than sorry. Well, Alan, I appreciate you coming on and sharing, man.
0: Oh, anytime, anytime. Uh, like I said, uh, I might send you a few more emails on some other stuff, but, uh, kind of let this go through and we'll go from there. <laughs>
2: Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show around social media. I don't care how you share it, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email. If you know somebody that you think would enjoy this show, please share it with them because that's the best thing you can do to help support the show and help it grow towards the future. And Until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye.
1: Disguise